Ephesians 5, verse 18. We took a look at a few weeks ago, looking at the beginning of this verse, talking about what the Bible uh, says about alcohol. Today, we'll be looking at the spirit-filled life, the spirit-filled life. The Bible says here in Ephesians, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit. Um, I'll never forget, I was, um, I was about 15, 15 and a half, and I had just gotten my permit. I was on my way to get my license. And um, I had wanted my first car. I didn't have a car at that time. I was driving my mom's van uh, because I was a teenager. Um, and so I was uh, driving the van or whatever car that was accessible to me. But all my friends were getting uh, a new car or, or their first car or their parents were giving them, you know, a hand-me-down car or whatever. But I didn't have a car for my own. And I wanted a car of my own to call my own to say, this is my car. This is my baby. This is, this is mine, you know, because every teenager wants that that uh, freedom and, and that liberty uh, and has no idea the responsibility behind that. Um, and so I, I, I got the courage to talk to my parents and, you know, I went to their bedroom and I said, look, I said, what is it going to take me to get a car, you know? And I had already gotten my permit. I was on my way to, to um, uh, get my license and stuff like that. And so I thought, you know, I feel like it's a good time. You know, they're not mad at me. We didn't have any arguments that day. And so it was, uh, it was okay for me to talk to them about, about a serious topic such as this. And so I, uh, I, I asked them, I said, you know, what, what is it going to take to get my first car? And they said, we we're actually talking about that. And uh, we wanted to, to ask you what you thought and stuff. And I said, well, I think yes. Um, and so... Uh, my dad said, obviously, we're not going to get you a brand new car. We're not going to go to a dealership. And I kind of understood um, that going into it. And uh, I figured maybe we'd find something online or um, one of those lots that they have just all those cars sitting out uh, for sale or something like that um, on the side of the road. But uh, my parents said, look, we have two options for you. And I said, this is good. You know, I can have options. And so they said, we're going to let you pick if you want a Volkswagen Beetle. I thought, okay, I've, I've seen those before. I've ridden in them. That's kind of cool, you know. Or you can choose a Volkswagen Carmen Ghia. And I said, I have no idea what that is. Uh, and so they Googled it, and I saw the Carmen Ghia, and I thought, that's the car I want. Of course, when you Google Carmen Ghia, it's all the ones that are the paint job's fresh, the chrome is still intact, you know, everything looks nice. Um, and the ones we were looking at, not the same as Google Images. Um, but that's the one I wanted. I said, you know, the Beetle, the Beetle was cool, whatever, but I want that Carmen Ghia. I like that body style. Um, that's going to be my first car. And so we found one in L.A., uh, picked it up. Uh, it was absolute garbage. Um, and so we spent the next two years fixing it up, uh, painting it, restoring it uh, the best of our ability, took out the seats, reupholstered them, uh, even flew out my grandpa, uh, who owns a body shop, to fly him out, uh, have him help us work on the car and stuff like that. And so fast forward about a year or two, and uh, I'm driving it with my friends, uh, and I'm, I'm a freshman in college, and we had just, uh, I don't know where, where, where we're at, but we're coming back to the college campus there, and it starts to sputter, and I'm thinking, great, it's an older car, something's wrong with it, maybe I ran out of gas, and I look, and I, I have enough gas, I, I fill it up just recently, and I'm not sure what's going on, and it dies on me. We pull it off to the side of the road. So I pop, uh, I pop the hood, and I look at the engine, and there's nothing I can see that's wrong with it. There's no fire. There's no smoke, thankfully, uh, or anything like that. Um, but, but something was wrong with the engine. I couldn't quite figure it out. Um, I didn't have a whole lot of mechanical experience or anything like that. But I knew it wasn't the gas, and I knew some of the things, the fuel pump or, or, or whatever was, was in there. It wasn't anything wrong with that. And so I figured I'd just call AAA, have them tow it to the campus, and I'll call my dad and, and see if he has any idea what it is. 
so we took it to the to the campus. I, uh, I took some pictures of the engine and, and the um, car and stuff like that. And I said, there's nothing wrong with it from what I can tell. Uh, I said, what do you think? So he asked me a couple questions, you know, did you run out of gas? No, there was, there was gas, you know. Uh, is there a wire that's not plugged in or, or um, the pump came apart or something like that? I said, no, everything looks like it's intact. I don't know what it is. And I'll never forget the question he asked. Did you change the oil? Ah, no. And I had realized at that point, I had never done anything with the oil on that car. And as a result, the engine seized up and that car broke down. Uh, and I felt horrible. You know, this was my first car. Uh, this was, this was it. You know, this was my life. And due to my uh, mechanical ignorance, the car broke down and the engine seized. And I felt terrible for it. Just as that car needed oil to run and operate properly, we as Christians need the Holy Spirit to run and operate properly as well. The Holy Spirit is what allows us <clears throat> to perform the way that we do in our Christian life. You see, we can try to go through our life in our own strength, our own power, our own wisdom even, but we'll only get so far down the road. Eventually, our spiritual engine will fail. Uh, we have to have the Holy Spirit. As we look at this passage, we'll be looking at the Spirit-filled life. But it's important to realize that there's a difference between the indwelling of the Spirit and the filling of the Spirit. You see, the Spirit indwells us at the moment of salvation. Ephesians 1 verse 13 says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And so once salvation happens once we accept christ uh into our lives we are sealed with the holy spirit the holy spirit begins to indwell us and all believers are indwelled with the spirit at salvation uh, this means that he resides within you unfortunately not all believers are filled or are controlled or led by the holy spirit um, paul writes in chapter 5 as an instruction manual for walking at the beginning of the chapter he talks about walking in love uh, walking as children of light uh, walking the christian life uh, he even says um, in one of the verses uh, walk not as fools uh, in order to be uh, to live spirit-filled or to have a spirit-filled life we have to make sure that we're walking in the spirit uh, it's imperative there and you see our actions will dictate our walk the way that we walk uh, will will be shown and evident through our actions I'll never forget, um, we were on our way to teen camp one year, and uh, the church that we went to uh, had a uh, high school, or a Christian school, and a college, and so many times the college students would help chaperone or become counselors for different events, and so we had a bunch of uh, college counselors for our teen camp, and so we'd take buses and drive two or three hours up a mountain and uh, go to a campsite up there and, and camp for about a week uh, with our youth group. And, uh, you know, as teenagers, we're yelling, screaming, making jokes, poking fun of one another. You have a kid throwing Sour Patch Kids at other people, you know, uh, just being rowdy teenagers. And this college student seemed like he was getting fed up with it. And he kept telling us to stop. And, of course, we wouldn't listen because we don't have to listen to you. And that was our mindset. And uh, uh, so he, he keeps telling us, stop, settle down, you know. And, again, we keep kind of being rowdy and, and causing problems and stuff like that. And I'll never forget, he stands up and he says, shut up and sit down. I'm trying to walk in the spirit. And we all kind of paused and did exactly what you just, we laughed. We're like, you're not walking in the spirit at all. You, you know, you're yelling at us with anger and stuff like that. You see, the filling of the spirit is not a one-time event. You don't just get the filling of the spirit and then try and last out uh, as long as you can. 
just like oil in a car, you have to maintain it. You have to fill it. It has to be a constant filling. Uh, you have to ask God uh, to be filled. Uh, you have to receive the filling by faith. Just as a side note here, I don't know if any of you have ever heard of this before, but a few times uh, someone has said, well, let's pray for more of the Spirit, uh, or, or I would pray that you would receive more of the Spirit. It's important to note that you can't receive more of the Spirit. Once you're saved, you've received 100% of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you don't receive a, a, a little bit here and a little bit there until you can kind of build all the puzzle uh, together with all the pieces that you've, you've gathered. Once saved, you receive the entirety of the Holy Spirit. The only thing that changes from there, though, is whether you'll let the Spirit control 100% of you. Uh, and it's important to remember that, that we can't pray to receive more of the Spirit, uh, but rather we should pray to be led by the Spirit more. First of all, we see that we must be filled with something. We must be filled with something. We cannot be empty. Um, I heard a story a few weeks ago about a family that uh, had this house and there was a hole in their ceiling. Uh, and so a bad storm came through and uh, it had rained and stormed and stuff like that and, and the rain had soaked through the hole onto the really nice aerial rug uh, in the living room there. And so the kids, you know, are like, oh, dad, this, this rug smells, it's all wet, what are we going to do? And he says, oh, we'll just take the rug out, throw it away, buy a new one. So that's what they did. They pulled the rug out, put a brand new aerial rug. Did that solve the problem? No, because they still have a hole in the roof. Just like our life, we have holes in our life that need to be filled with certain things, whether that's social interaction, uh, whether that's uh, time spent uh, with a spouse or a family member. Um, just as we have holes in our life like that, we also have a Jesus-shaped hole. And many times, we try to fill that with other things, uh, whether it's good things or even, unfortunately, whether it's sinful things. But we try to fill that hole with things that ought not to be. Each thing in our life has a designated place, but sometimes we try to fit things where they shouldn't go. Uh, it makes me think of a, those child uh, toys where it's like a cage or a ball, and they try to put the shape through uh, the hole. You know, they have a square that goes in the square hole and the triangle that goes through the triangle hole, and they try to do that. And we might sit and laugh at a kid who, who tries to put the triangle in the star hole because it won't fit, and we know you're an idiot because that's not going to work, you know, because we're adults and we know how that works. But how often are we likely to try and fit things in our life that don't fit in the correct hole you know we try to take this jesus hole and, and we put our selfish desires and we put our sin in there we put things that we think are good or think are a priority but they're not and we try to turn to sin or selfish desires when those aren't the answers we try to cram those pieces where they shouldn't go we have to be filled with something we should be spirit filled as it commands us in uh, ephesians 5:18 but be filled with the Spirit. Being Spirit-filled means letting the Spirit control us. I know I mentioned that um, earlier, but when we talk about being Spirit-filled, what we mean is you have to be controlled by the Spirit. You have to let the Spirit control you. Let the Spirit lead you. Paul compares uh, in this verse uh, drunkenness to being filled with the Spirit to explain the importance of sobriety uh, and not to allow outside influences to control us. Uh, obviously, if there was a man who had consumed enough alcohol to be drunk, it would be very evident, hey, this guy over here is drunk uh, through his actions, through his words, and stuff like that. Just as us for Christians, we have to be spirit-filled so that when people see our lives, they see us walk around, they say, hey, that guy is full of the Holy Spirit. We aren't to be given over to these substances to, uh, to allow them to control us, but rather we should be given over to the Spirit to control us. And here's the thing. If you were to be filled, what's the best thing to be filled with? 
the Spirit. Uh, it's what's going to help you. It's what's going to motivate you. It's, it's what's going to drive you to live the Christian life to the best of your ability. Romans 8, 9. Romans 8, if, you don't, if you've never read Romans 8, I encourage you to read that today uh, if you have some time. Such a, such a good chapter, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Uh, but Romans 8, 9 says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And this is very important because, again, like we talked about, once at the moment of salvation, once you're saved, the Spirit takes up residence in your life. But for those who have never accepted Christ, for those who have no relationship with Jesus, we have no spirit. Um, John 3.16 tells us that God loves us. And that's the most important thing. God loves you. Um, I can tell you I love you. Pastor can say he loves you. You know, your, your spouse can tell you they love you. But it will never mean as much as God saying that he loves you. To the point that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sin. Uh, we're all sinners. You don't have to look very far or, or even ask a family member, you know. Um, but we're all sinners. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all failed. We've all messed up. We've all fallen down. And we've all fallen short. And because of that sin, Romans 6.23 tells us that because of that sin, the wages of our sin is death. The payment, the price, the penalty for our sin is eternal damnation and hell, separated from God for all of eternity. And that's a horrible thought, and I hate to think about that. And, and that's one of those things that's in the Bible that I'm like, oh, I, r I really wish that wasn't true, but it is. But just as much as that is true, Romans 6.23 doesn't stop with that passage. It keeps going. It says, but the gift of God is, uh, uh, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the fact that God, through his love, through his mercy, gave us Jesus Christ so that we could receive him, so that we can have salvation. And Romans 10, 9 tells us that with the mouth confession is made and with the heart man believeth. Uh, verse 13 of chapter 10 in the book of Romans tells us that um, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, today is the day of salvation, the Bible tells us. That at any point, if you have no relationship with Jesus Christ, you can make that happen today. And again, like we looked at uh, in Ephesians chapter 1 where it tells us that once you believe, once you accept Christ, that spirit, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life. You can receive the Holy Spirit today. You can let the Holy Spirit control you, but the Holy Spirit will never control you without a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so being spirit-filled means letting the spirit control us. But being spirit-filled also means we must be full of the spirit. The Greek word used here for be filled implies that it brings fullness. Uh, it's the same uh, word that's used in other passages that refer to a fulfilling of prophecy. And so when the Old Testament says, this is what's going to happen, the New Testament says, this is it happening, it's the same word being used that it's made complete. And when we're filled with the Spirit, when we have the Spirit controlling us, when we have the Spirit in our lives, we are made complete, we are made whole. Without the Holy Spirit in our lives, we will never completely live. You know, sometimes people will say, well, if you've never had that, you've never really lived. If you've never done that, you've never really lived. But the fact of the matter is if you, have, you haven't lived unless you've lived with the Spirit. And we as Christians must have the Spirit in our lives. I love sweet tea. I love it. If I was offered sweet tea by you, I wouldn't expect a small cup. I would expect a glass. Better yet, if you're a good Christian, you would give me a gallon of sweet tea because that's how much I love it. Uh, and praise the Lord for raising canes. If you've never been, do yourself a favor and go. For those of you that know me are laughing because I go there all the time. But they sell gallons of sweet tea. Oh, it's so good. Can't be satisfied with a little bit of the spirit, though. We have to be full. 
I can't be satisfied with just a sip of sweet tea. I want a glass. I want a gallon. I want more. Same thing with the Spirit. We can't be satisfied with a little. We must be full of the Spirit. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter number 19. Matthew chapter number 19. There's a story here of a rich young man who approaches Jesus and asks him how he can obtain eternal life. Matthew chapter number 19, verse 16. Verse 16 says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And just kind of a side note here, this man <clears throat> is asking, What do I have to do to have salvation? Nothing. The only thing we have to do is put our faith into Jesus Christ. Christ has done the work for us. And so it's important side note to see that there's no good work, there's no good thing that we would have to do of our own power, of our own merit, that would earn salvation. Verse 17, <clears throat> Jesus answers him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. So Jesus responds with, if you're going to have eternal life, keep the commandments. Obey the, obey the law. Obey the word of God. Verse 18, he saith unto him, which? The man asks, which commandments? Jesus says, thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt keep, uh, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man said unto them, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect. And the word perfect here is not meaning sinless, but to be, again, made complete. If you were to be complete, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor. That thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. And we see the conclusion, the result, uh, or the response of this man here in verse 22. It says, when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. If you read through that passage, you might think, well, well, God told him to obey the commandments, and then God told him to sell his things, and he walked away. But it's interesting, if you look a little bit deeper into this, verses 18 through 19, Jesus lists only five of the Ten Commandments that we would know. And you would think that this guy would know the Ten Commandments. He told Jesus, all of the commandments you just listed, I've, I've kept. I've obeyed these. Uh, this man probably would have known the commandments that were uh, instructed for him to keep. As we know, there's five commandments that Jesus mentions. Thou shalt not uh, murder. Uh, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. And honor thy father and thy mother. But again, that's only half of the commandments. Jesus didn't mention the first half. The first half is to have no other gods before me. The second, uh, to not make graven images. The third, to not bow down or to worship those graven images. The fourth, to not take the name uh, of the Lord in vain. And the fifth, to honor the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. Jesus only mentioned the five commandments that, res that relate to our human relationships. But we have to remember the other five relate to our Heavenly Father, to the God, uh, to God uh, and our relationship with him. It says in Mark 10, verse 21, Jesus said uh, in, the, in a parallel passage, one thing thou lackest. Uh, the one thing he lacked was a relationship with God. The rich young man missed the greatest thing of all, and that was making God the priority of his life. He did everything he could to make sure that his human relationships were covered, to make sure that he wasn't killing anybody, he wasn't committing adultery, he wasn't stealing or lying, uh, that he was honoring his parents and, and perhaps honoring his elders and people who were around him and being respectful. But he missed the big picture. 
honoring God, keeping God his first priority. You see, God doesn't want a little of us. He wants all of us. God doesn't want us to keep a commandment here or there. God wants us to fully submit to him. And we should desire the same. Revelation 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. We are created to bring God pleasure. We are created to worship him, to give him glory. Revelation 4.11 tells us that. And being spirit-filled is necessary to bring God glory in our life. It's necessary. We cannot bring God glory if we are not being spirit-filled. Romans 8, going back to that chapter here, and again, if, you, if you've never read it, read through it today. It's such, such good stuff. But verse 5 tells us, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, and they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. If, if you are walking in the Spirit, you're going to mind the things of the Spirit. If you're walking in the flesh, you're going to do the things of the flesh. It's very simple. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So that they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So if we are in the flesh, we cannot please God. We have to be spirit-filled in order to bring God glory, in order to please God. And we're not going to do that without the Spirit in our lives. Again, looking at the Greek grammar of this passage, uh, the phrase be filled indicates two other important things. First, the verb is passive. Uh, so this is not a manufactured experience. This is something that is genuine. This is something that is real. Secondly, it's imperative, so that it is not an optional experience. It is a commandment. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in order to please God, in order to do our jobs as human beings, again, Revelation 4.11 told us that, that we are created for God's pleasure. In order for us to bring God pleasure, we must be spirit-filled. It's a commandment from God there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul is writing to a church here. He says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us, how ye ought to walk and to please God. So ye would abound more and more, for we know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. Paul says here, look, you've received of us how you ought to walk. You, you ought to walk in the Spirit. Why? So that you can please God and that you would abound more and more and more. We've taught you these things so that you can please God. You know, we, we come to church, we listen to preaching, we, we read our Bibles, we, we're a part of a connect group. Why? So that we can learn more, so that we can learn how to walk, so that we can live our lives pleasing God. Next, being spirit-filled will result in bearing the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible tells us this, but it's it's natural for us to understand as well that when we when we sow something, that's what we're going to reap. Uh, if I were to go over across the street to Alamona Beach Park and plant pineapples, what would I get? Pineapples. Thank you for those who answered. Uh, if I were to go across the street and plant oranges, what would I get? Oranges. If I was to go across the street and plant lychee, what would I get? Lychee. It doesn't matter what fruit or vegetable. If I were to go over there and plant something, that's what I would get. Now, if I kept doing that, I might get a phone call from the city. Um, but that is the principle of sowing and reaping. When we sow into the Spirit, we reap the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 verse 19 shows us the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, 
envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So we see the works of the flesh there, but on the opposite side we see the fruit of the Spirit. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, or being able to suffer long, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, or self-control. Against such there is no law. And so we see the two the two sides of this. You know, the two sides of the coin that you're either producing the works of the flesh or you're producing the fruit of the spirit. And you can't do both. It's one or the other. Sometimes people look at their life and they'll ask themselves, how did I get here? How did, how did I get in the mess that I'm in? You got there by taking the road that you took to get there. Uh, how, how did I end up with so much heartache uh, and so much failure in my life? Because of the works of the flesh. It's very difficult for us to get at a point in our life where we don't have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, but yet we've been walking in the Spirit the whole time. It's very easy for us to be able to get to those points if we are walking in the Spirit. And so it's important to, to walk in the Spirit, to be Spirit-filled so that we can, re- we can bear the fruit of the Spirit. John 15, 8, Jesus says, Herein is my Father glorified. And again, we cannot glorify God without being Spirit-filled. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Being Christ's disciples, what does that mean? That means walking in the Spirit, allowing Christ to lead you, uh, allowing the Word of God to shape and to mold your life and your heart. Being Spirit-filled will result in bearing the fruit of the Spirit. This is kind of similar, but being Spirit-filled starts on the inside and is seen on the outside. Again, it has to start from the heart. Out of the, uh, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Whatever's inside is going to come out. Paul, again, contrasts the effects of the Holy Spirit with the state of drunkenness. Um, And we took a look at that a few weeks ago. If you missed those messages, highly encourage you to take a look at those. We have them online. Uh, Pastor talked about what the Bible uh, says about alcohol. But in this verse here, uh, Paul is saying to not be drunk with wine. Uh, Alcohol is served as a depressant. It loosens people. It causes their judgment to be impaired, their self-control, their wisdom, their balance, uh, the mental state, the physical state, even the emotional state to become out of whack. The Holy Spirit serves as the exact opposite. Uh, He would be a stimulant. Um, The Holy Spirit allows us to take every aspect of our being and to be better, to be more perfect, to be sharp, to be keen, uh, to walk circumspectly, as Paul says in verse 15 of this passage. And it's important for us to be filled with the Spirit because what's going on, the, on, what's going on, on the inside is going to be shown on the outside. There's a difference between corporate uh, worship and personal worship. There's a difference between being filled by the Spirit corporately and being filled by the Spirit personally. Uh, personally, that would be Monday through Saturday, uh, us uh, doing our devotions, maybe meeting in a connect group, maybe uh, having a Bible study with a friend. Corporately, uh, that might be gathering here on a Sunday morning uh, or, or uh, at a Bible study here on Wednesday nights. They both make it work uh, as they should by allowing us to be filled by the Holy Spirit. You can ask Coach Ford this, but sports teams don't show up uh, on game day ready to go with this strong chemistry, and they're all aware of what's going on, and they all have the plays. It takes practice. Uh, It takes time individually working out. Uh, I stopped by his office earlier this week, and they were gone uh, because they were having a team hike. They were bonding together on a non-game day. Uh, And it's important for us that on non-game days that we uh, either bond together with one another or we have an individual workout, spiritually speaking. Churches work the same way in the fact that Monday through Saturday, we have to put in the practice. 
We have to hit the weight room. Uh, we have to call up a friend and say, hey, can you spot me? Hey, can you, can you help me with this? So that when we show up on Sunday, so that when we show up to church on game day, we're ready to go and get the job done. Being filled with the Spirit is so, so important. We talked about some of the aspects of that, but how do we become Spirit-filled? Uh, how do we become Spirit-filled? First, again, we must have a relationship with Jesus. It's important. Uh, Romans 8, 9 tells us again, no Jesus, no Spirit. Without Jesus, I cannot have the Holy Spirit in my life. Plain and simple. We must have a relationship with Jesus. And if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I encourage you, start that today. Uh, it, it, it will give you so much joy. It will give you so much freedom. It will give you just so much happiness uh, and peace. Start a relationship with Jesus. Next, we must seek God. We have to seek God. James 4, 8 tells us to draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto us. As we seek God, uh, God will be there to reveal himself. You know, it's not like hide and seek where we're trying to seek God and he's, he's behind hiding, you know, like, good luck finding me. Oh, he's getting closer. I'm going to hide over here, you know. God doesn't act like that. God's standing there saying, I'm waiting for you to come to me. When we draw nigh to God, he draw not, draws nigh to us. We draw nigh to God, he draws nigh to us. God's not playing hide and seek with us. Sometimes it might feel that way or we might be discouraged because we're, we think, oh, God hasn't revealed himself to me yet or, or I'm still waiting for an answer or something like that. But the more that we draw nigh to God, the more that he'll draw nigh to us. Uh, the, the screens and even your notes say that we must seek God, but write the word first after that. We must seek God first. God should be the person that we run to first, before anything else, uh, before another person, uh, before another activity, uh, before another substance. Anything in our life, we should always run to God first. Matthew 6.33 tells us that uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Uh, throughout the book of Psalms, the psalmist says, early in the morning uh, will I seek your face. Early in the morning uh, do I seek you, do I praise you, do I worship you. We must seek God, but we must seek God first. Thirdly, we must submit and obey to God's word. We must submit and obey to God's word. There are scriptures throughout the, throughout the Bible that, that tells us very plain black and white what we should do or what we shouldn't do. There's also principles throughout Scripture that would suggest maybe you should stay away from this or maybe you should do this. And so the principles that we see in God's Word, we should follow as well. But I always encourage people, um, especially when we go through discipleship, whatever you see plainly in Scripture, obey. Whatever's black and white, cut and dry, right there, submit to it, obey to it, because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be beneficial for you. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is profitable, all of it. It's profitable for what? For doctrine, what we believe or what we know what is right. For reproof, for what is wrong. Hey, these are the things that are wrong. These are the things that Christians should not be a part of. Uh, for correction, how to fix what's wrong. And for instruction in righteousness, how to keep living right and how to walk in the spirit. We must submit and obey to God's word. Uh, a friend of mine uh, calls the Bible his roadmap. And I love that analogy and the fact that the Bible is what guides him through life. Uh, just as if we took a roadmap out and we looked at it, uh, you know, and I, I pulled out a roadmap of Hawaii, and I wanted to drive from here all the way to Makaha. What roads would I have to take? I, I'd have to get on the H1 and then, and then um, keep driving and then stay on the H1 and avoid the H2 and, and uh, keep driving, keep driving, and eventually the freeway would end. I would get on Farrington Highway, and I would keep going straight. You know, Why? Because I've used my GPS, because I've been there. Uh, because I have experience a little bit with how to get there. 
just as that roadmap or that GPS uh, helps me get to Makaha, God's word will help us get to where we need to be spiritually. Uh, and, and just as a roadmap might show you signs or things to watch out for, uh, you know, I use the Waze app, uh, which is really cool because it, it directs me around traffic. It shows me, hey, there's lighter traffic on this street. Go that way. Um, it, it shows me where the potholes are. Um, it shows me where the cops are hiding. Um, you know, uh, and so it helps me to avoid certain things. The Bible works the same way. It helps you to avoid certain things. Hey, if you're walking in the spirit, you're not going to have an issue with that relationship. If you're walking in the spirit, you're not going to have problems at work. If you're walking in the spirit, these things are going to line up for you because you're going to have love, joy, peace, the fruit of the spirit. We must submit and obey to God's word. Finally, we must die daily to the flesh. We must crucify the flesh every day. 1 Corinthians 15, 13, Paul says, I die daily. We must die daily to the flesh. Every morning when you wake up, pray and ask God, hey, if there's anything in my life that I need to confess and repent, bring it to my mind. Uh, search my heart. Cleanse me. But we also have to walk into every day saying, look, these are the things I struggle with. These are the things that I have difficulties with. God, help me to overcome those. The Bible talks about uh, that God is faithful and he's able to make a way for escape when it involves temptation. It's important for us to use God's word, to memorize scripture, to pray, to seek help, accountability, uh, whatever it might look like for you, but to provide safeguards for you to be able to withstand um, uh, Satan and his temptations and to be able to, again, die daily to the flesh. So as we look at this passage, I want to ask you today, are you spirit-filled? Are you allowing the spirit to control you, to lead you in your life? Maybe you might say, yeah, I am, but in not every area of my life. I challenge you, every area of your life, allow the spirit to control you, allow the spirit to lead do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? If not, see me. See one of our ushers. See somebody today so that we can share the, show you from God's word what that looks like and that you can receive the spirit and become a Christian and to live a spirit-filled life.